You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Everyone is facing these huge, life-changing moments. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. I think it really is important for folks to reach out to people so they can know that they're not alone. We don't know how long all this is going to go on for. And from an emotional standpoint, psychologically, that's a really difficult, difficult thing to grapple with. This is KCBS In-Depth. Closed storefronts, shuttered office space. The last seven months of lockdown have been anything but business as usual for the Bay Area economy. And all this disruption has taken a toll. Imagine you stay home and making no money. There's been a lot of uncertainty. Landlords are looking for rent. But little by little, the restrictions are loosening and businesses are getting a chance to open back up. It's great to be reopened finally back indoors. Now I can hire more people and I can feel more like we can do better. I'm Keith Menconi. This is KCBS In-Depth, and today on the program, we're going to take a closer look at what the lockdown has meant for the Bay Area's business sector and how much of a difference these incremental reopenings could make. Starting off that conversation, we are going to welcome on now to the program Scott Neese. He is the executive director of the San Jose Downtown Association, and he's going to give us a better sense of how Main Street has been faring amid all this turmoil. Scott Neese, welcome to KCBS In-Depth. Thank you, Keith. So just taking a lay of the land for a moment, San Francisco has reopened indoor dining at limited capacity. Alameda County, just in the past few days, reopened some indoor service, including gyms. And it's likely that Santa Clara County will be allowing limited capacity indoor dining uh, as well by about halfway through this upcoming week. Um, All of these changes made possible as the counties reduce their COVID infection rates and get the okay from state and local health officials to progress along that reopening track. Uh, Scott Neese, it seems like we're seeing here, something of a chance for economic revival, but, you know, you can only revive a business if there's still a business there left to revive. And as we've seen, a lot of businesses have not actually made it through the past seven months. Uh, so I want to start there. Uh, give us a sense of the, the current state of business in downtown San Jose. How much of a toll has the last seven months taken? Well, downtown San Jose, like urban centers worldwide, has been devastated by the pandemic because we're dependent on people gathering together. We can't do that now. A city's liveliness is found in its citizens. So how can we sustain our civic energy without workers, students, residents, and visitors? We'd love to have the tourists that San Francisco has. These folks are not in our streets, in our cafes and theaters. So it can be no surprise that nearly half of our storefront businesses are shuttered when offices are remote working, our sports and performance venues are dark. The universities are distance learning. Hotels are at single digit occupancy. The convention centers mothball. Special events, concerts, and festivals shut down. The pandemic has halted us from being with each other at the office, in the classroom, on the bar, on the bar stool. And downtowns are built for, for socializing. So until people can get together again safely, our communities are going to continue to struggle. Yeah. And that has translated into a lot of businesses, not just closing temporarily, but closing for good. We've seen uh, estimates in uh, the thousands over the last uh, several months. And uh, that also means uh, a loss of jobs uh, for many, many workers. What, though, changing to the flip side of the coin, what has 
or what could, what potential could these uh, incremental, slow, slow, slow reopenings have for businesses, for those that have managed to hold on, uh, you know, if, if we are seeing restaurants getting a chance to have limited indoor dining return, if we are seeing other businesses uh, get uh, more of that foot track uh, traffic in the downtown area, what do the next couple of weeks or months or so look like for these businesses? Is this a glimmer of hope here? Well, Santa Clara County, we're, we're uh, renowned for being one of the most restrictive in the nation. And the 25% hybrid opening that we're looking at next week is a thin gruel for most of the restaurants. If, if you can only do a fraction of your capacity, yet you have uh, uh, 100% of your expenses, it doesn't pencil out. So most of the businesses that I've talked to that are, are small, uh, that don't have a giant dining room or are not already engaged with our alfresco or kind of the outdoor parklet patio. They don't have a bunch of tables out there. They're saying it doesn't pencil out right now to just come back indoors at 25% when you know, you've got all these other protocols and expenses for um, you know, taking it indoors. They'd rather be safe with their staff and, and wait till it makes more sense and there's more capacity that's authorized by the authorities. And we should just say that Santa Clara County, on a, on a technical note, um, they are going more slowly than the state as a whole, even with the uh, uh, the health order that was made in this last week, and even with the potential for uh, further reopenings in the coming week, they still plan to have uh, tighter restrictions on both indoor dining uh, and indoor gatherings than are would be allowed by the state. The rationale given by the health, uh, health authorities in Santa Clara County is that both of those activities are relatively dangerous and they don't want to see a sudden spike in infections forcing broader closures throughout the county. Uh, but we, I, I've spoken with a number of business leaders in the South Bay that are frustrated with this slow pace of opening and they feel that the county should be more in line with what the what the state's guidelines have been. Uh, Scott Neese, what is your take? Uh, do you also feel like the county should be more in line with the state moving a little bit faster? Well, we'd like to be able to get our economy back open and rolling. What we don't want to happen is what happened, you know, a month ago when we allowed personal services businesses to open and then two days later they had to shut down because there was a spike. That's absolutely the worst thing that we can envision here is rolling backwards. And, you know, so we want to move from orange into yellow and get back to normal. We certainly don't want to backtrack and, and go into red. Uh, there's just so much unknown. We're, we're trying to be respectful of what the science and what our health officials are, are telling us. But there's only so much that the businesses can do if they're restricted just to take out in the outdoor tables and some of the grocer services. I'm, I'm so impressed with how these small businesses have shown grit and creativity to kind of innovate new business models and, and just survive right now. But if we want to really recover, we're going to have to get the people back. And, and to do that, the people aren't going to come back unless they feel safe. So you can see both sides of the coin here. I'm not trying to equivocate. We're just, we're just trying to make it work for all of the businesses that are open right now. It's kind of one storefront at a time to help them survive. 
That's again Scott Neese, the executive director of the San Jose Downtown Association. And just briefly before we move on to other topics, uh, you mentioned the resilience that you're seeing from a number of businesses. Uh, Obviously, uh, San Jose has the Alfresco program bringing out restaurants into the open, and many have taken advantage of that, especially on uh, San Pedro uh, Road uh, in the downtown area. Um, Any other uh, sorts of adaptations or ways that businesses have found to cope that you could highlight for us that would give us a sense of both what businesses are are up against and how they're coping? Yeah, sure. I I mean, a lot of these businesses that that started doing takeout were not, you know, these are fine dining restaurants, uh, white tablecloth restaurants. They weren't, their kitchens aren't set up to do takeout and to watch them pivot and to be able to provide meals, not just to to customers, but also to uh, donate it to essential workers and kind of give back to the community and keep a couple of their employees, uh, you know, working has been really impressive. We've seen a number of the cafes uh, add grocer services into their, you know, essential goods along with, you know, coffee or, or whatever they're specializing in. And we've seen a number of the, the businesses kind of work with our arts community and other nonprofits to uh, help those that are less fortunate or to be involved with the social justice uh, movement that uh, has certainly proliferated in all of our cities, but especially here in San Jose since the end of May. So I'm, I'm really so proud of the way the, the businesses have kind of stepped up in these daunting times, despite kind of the economic carnage most of them have faced. Hmm. All right. So a lot of stories certainly there to be told. We're going to tell more of them before the hour is through. But real quick, for those who are just joining us, I want to remind them that you are listening to KCBS In-Depth, a weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Menconi. Today, we are taking a temperature check on Bay Area business as the lockdown restrictions slowly, slowly get lifted. Our guest that we were just speaking to right there is Scott Neese, the executive director of the San Jose Downtown Association. Up next, we are going to welcome on another guest that would be Sean Randolph. He is the senior director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. That is a economic research group that is associated with the Bay Area Council. Sean Randolph, welcome to KCBS In-Depth. Glad to be here, Keith. Thank you. So we were just hearing there sort of the micro stories of what individual businesses in the Bay Area, especially on Main Street, are going through right now. Hoping you could provide more of the macro picture in terms of how is the overall Bay Area economy looking at this point? Uh, I guess one place to start, we got a what's called the uh, the Anderson forecast out from UCLA a, a week or so ago that is predicting that California as a whole is likely going to take uh, about two years to recover from all this. And that is uh, a forecast that is made with somewhat rosy assumptions about our ability to come up with a vaccine and and, and uh, deal with the pandemic. What are you seeing as uh, the Bay Area's current economic fortunes? Yes. Well, I, I've seen the forecast and actually, like most forecasts, it's changed a lot since the early in the year. Um, I think most people who look at the situation out there don't expect us to get um, anywhere near normal before mid-year next year. And then the more pessimistic ones would say 2022. And uh, let's just hope that's not the case. But I think to put it in perspective, I think we need to look at California versus the US versus the Bay Area. So how are we doing compared to, to, to other, other regions? 
So and we're not doing that great. Mm. Uh, and and uh, say as of September, uh, about a month ago, uh, California accounted for about 28% of weekly unemployment claims in the U.S., uh, but we're only 12% of the labor force. So our unemployment claims are, are much higher than they are uh, elsewhere in the country. Uh, our unemployment rate uh, as of last month was about 11.4%. Now that's better than it was at the peak earlier in the year, which was 16.4, but that still puts California's unemployment as the fifth highest in the United States. Um, and that's California. So the Bay Area is trailing the rest of California in the number of jobs it's recovered. So we've regained as of the end of August, just about 30% of the jobs that were originally lost. Uh, in California, we've regained more than 34% and in the US approaching 50%. So I think we need to look at California as really not uh, not doing well compared to, to most of the country. Right. So you're highlighting a couple of discrepancies there in terms of how California and the Bay Area, its economic fortunes are shaping up uh, as compared to the rest of the country. What do you think accounts for those discrepancies? I mean, the most obvious answer that probably come to mind is the region's relatively more stringent lockdown orders. Uh, can can we attribute some of the economic misfortune to to those uh, to those health measures? Um, I think the clearest answer to that is yes. You know, it's not the only answer. Uh, part of the reason why our recovery has been slower is due to, in San Francisco, for example, the fact that the city is so dependent on tourism and conventions, and that flows over into retail and hospitality and restaurants. So I think you need to look at the, the economic composition, the structure of the economy in different places. But overall, I, I do think there's a direct relationship between uh, the stringency of the shutdowns and the, the speed with which uh, the economy has or, or has not recovered. There's a trade-off, and this is what really makes it difficult, and it's very hard for public officials. Um, I, it, I wouldn't like to be in their shoes in these decisions where, um, as a region, we've pretty successfully uh, maneuvered our way since last spring uh, through the pandemic, where apart from a spike in July when things started to reopen, uh, we've never really hit against the ceiling or exceeded the, uh, the hospital capacity to deal with COVID patients. And so our infection rates are somewhat lower than elsewhere. Our hospitalization rates and death rates, um, although terrible, of course, are still lower than elsewhere. So I think we can say that the region has had uh, you know, a reasonable degree of success controlling the pandemic. And of course, public health is always uh, the, the, the top priority, but the, the trade-off, the cost has been that the stringency of the closures, uh, we were the very first here in the Bay Area to close in California, ahead of everywhere else. Uh, we still have very stringent restrictions. They're, they're uneven, the, the openings, um, and then Scott was saying the closings again, uh, I think have damaged confidence and uh, 
it, there's definitely a trade-off that uh, it still needs to be managed between the rate of reopening uh, with safety and uh, and the health of the economy so people have jobs to come back to. Yeah. Speaking once again there to Sean Randolph, he is the Senior Director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. Also on the line we have right now Scott Neese, the Executive Director of the San Jose Downtown Association. Sticking with Sean Randolph for just one more second. So you're highlighting that trade-off between the economy and between the the imperatives of, you know, the keeping everybody healthy and uh, and alive during this pandemic. Uh, there are those that have made the case that that is a false trade-off, that if we do see the pandemic tick back up and we do see many people uh, unfortunately perish from this virus, that itself would implode the economy What's what's your take on that? I mean, you're 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 making the case that really there is a little bit of a sliding scale. You 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 can really only have one or the other. There are those that would argue, you know, if you don't have health, you can't have the economy. What's your take? No, I I I, I don't think it's a question of one or the other. It's a question of how best to manage these transitions. I think most people would agree that uh, health is going to be the the top priority. And until we manage our way out of the pandemic situation, uh, the economy is still going to be very constrained. And the last thing anybody anywhere will want to see would be another shutdown. Uh, I don't think we're going there, but uh, the effect of something like that, that would would be devastating. But the reality is that, uh, you know, we could have phased, it's not completely impossible, we could phase still something on the scale of, of, of the Great Depression. Um, the economy has been so deeply devastated and there's a lot of effects of that, psychological and health and otherwise uh, beyond the pandemic itself. And, and so I think the, what, what we need is sort of an ongoing and a, a, a collaborative dialogue between the business community that obviously would like to reopen, but is fully recognizing the health imperative as well. And so in practical terms, how do you do that? What, what is effective? What's going to make a difference for businesses while of course uh, doing everything possible to protect health? And and quickly, uh, closing thoughts on this topic before we move on to a couple of others that I want to hit. You mentioned the possibility of the economic downturn really getting in, into some historic, scary territory. I mean, if if we go back to an earlier part of our conversation, we were talking about that uh, Anderson forecast looking at a two-year recovery. Uh, that is bad. There's no equivocating that. That's not a great projection. But, you know, we've been there before within all of our lifetimes and we've bounced back. Uh, but you're saying there that there is the possibility that this could really be protracted and, uh, and ugly in uh, ways that some of us have not seen before. What to you, uh, what are going to be the major indicators to tell us which way we're going at this point? Uh, you know, reading those economic tea leaves, what should we be looking for? Well, I think one of the worst things that could happen would be, of course, an enormous spike in infections or especially an enormous spike in hospitalizations. So I, I think it looks unlikely with, with the kind of management we have now that that's going to become an issue. Uh, certainly hope not. But uh, I think the length of during which the economy has been closed or, or, or heavily constrained is, is much longer than people originally or even later imagined. So I think the longer this continues, I think the more damage a- accumulates. You know, there are a lot of businesses, especially small businesses, 
that just don't have the resources, the financial resources, the savings to be able to weather this kind of situation indefinitely. The larger companies are better able to do that, but the real concern is the smaller businesses uh, that are right on the edge anyway. A lot were on the edge before the pandemic. And I think the concern that I would have is the longer this extends and the longer limitations are in place at a level where these smaller businesses are not viable to reopen, uh, the more likely it is that many more of them will fail than have failed so far. All right. A sobering uh, point of reflection right there. That was the words of uh, Sean Randolph. He's a senior director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Manconi, and today we are looking for signs of economic hope as the COVID lockdown loosens. We are going to be speaking next once again to Scott Neese, the executive director at San Jose Downtown Association. And the next topic I want to bring up with both of you, but starting with Scott Neese, is the stimulus money that has been long awaited in the Bay Area and throughout the country from the federal government. Obviously, that's been thrown into serious doubt over the last week or so, as President Trump has said that he's going to wait until after the election to begin once again negotiating with Democrats. Although, those negotiations, uh, as as we've checked most recently, seem to be ongoing despite that pronouncement. So uh, I, I suppose all we can really say at this point is it's a, it's a very fraught uh, negotiation and um, really difficult to say where it's going to come down. Uh, hoping, uh, Scott Neese, you could give us some sense of what that stimulus money, uh, the, the round that's already come in, what that has meant for local businesses and what what is hoped a future round could mean. Well, it was a lifeline for most businesses when those PPP loans came through. It allowed businesses to keep some staff. It allowed them to pay some landlords some rent. And now that it's expired and there's just no help coming, uh, there's it just puts uh, more pressure on an already tenuous situation. And I do want to say most of our property owners have been very willing to work directly with their tenants. They understand a bird in the hand right now is very, very valuable. There's a lot of vacancy because so many businesses have failed already. So a lot of the savvy landlords are working with their tenants and and they're coming up with with deals to keep them going. Not all, I wish all of them were, but uh, there's gonna be a reckoning with that if the stimulus package does not come down. Uh, you're also going to see rent checks that were going to go to commercial landlords are going to start drying up. And then you start to get that ripple effect where it this downturn can become as severe as the Great Recession. All right. Well, we just have a, a couple of more minutes left, but I want to give uh, one last question to you, Sean Randolph, once again with the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. Uh, that question being, as a longtime Bay Area business and economy watcher, we have seen such monumental changes over the last seven months for this region. How much of this is going to stick? How much of this is going to really change the way that business is done here in the Bay Area? And, uh, you know, obviously, most immediately, we think about all the, the, the closed um, office spaces and uh, the, the many tech companies that 
perhaps will find other places to locate since they don't need to have their physical office space in a physical spot if their workers are going to stay home. Uh, it's difficult to say how that's going to turn out. Uh, but then there's, you know, even going beyond the pandemic, there's been the wildfires and that's uh, had its own impacts on the Bay Area, definitely shaken things up as well. So what, what, what do you see as the long term impacts of all this being? Well, I, two things. One is I'm actually very optimistic about this region over the long term. Uh, we are home to a disproportionately huge number of many of the world's most innovative companies. Uh, we lead uh, the world in uh, the digital economy. Uh, we're kind of writing the script there. And one of the things the pandemic has done, it's accelerated uh, the digitization of absolutely everything. Um, and that really puts our businesses here that are in that space really at the forefront of a, of a, of a massive global trend. Uh, so I think everybody to do with um, digital health, uh, long distance management uh, by digital processes, digital education, you can go on and on. Uh, I think we're gonna lead in that. There's a lot of venture capital out there still that's continuing to be invested at the same rate as it was before the uh, uh, pandemic hit in innovative companies, especially those that can respond to this kind of challenge. And a lot of these smaller companies are pivoting to do that. And not to mention uh, health and biotech, which is massive and we're a leader in the world in that. That's getting a lot of investment. So I, I think in a lot of respects, the Bay Area is in a, an advantage position to lead in the new economy uh, where health and, and digital business will be much more important. But we have to get there first, and it's a huge trough to get across. And the one, the one thing I would say is that uh, I think our public officials uh, need to keep in mind how difficult it is for businesses at this time just to manage through and survive and get on their feet and rehire employees. And one of the unfortunate things at the moment is there are about 34 different tax measures on the ballot coming up next month in cities across the region that would raise taxes one way or the other uh, very often on, on businesses. All right. Well, we are going to let that point stand, uh, although I should point out that KCBS will have more coverage of the tax measures that we're discussing right there in the days and weeks ahead. Want to give the last word to Scott Neese one last time with the San Jose Downtown Association. You know, so far, we have really been talking about things in fairly high-minded, abstract sorts of ways, talking about jobs numbers, talking about economic figures and potential recessions. Wondering if you could bring this back down to the human level, if possible, because you are somebody that deals directly with the humans that work in these uh, small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, so maybe bring that perspective in. What are you hearing from the folks that make up these companies? What does the world look like right now in the Bay Area from their perspective? Yeah, I mean, these, everybody says that small business is the heart and soul of a community, and yet very few people know what to do for them. And you see uh, a little bit of this flailing about and, and kind, of, kind of all these taxes that are being proposed are just gonna come and make it harder for the small business. So I really agree with, with Sean that that is a headwind for these businesses coming back on line. But you know, there's also, believe it or not, these, these small proprietors are, are so incredibly creative. There are 
businesses that are opening in this pandemic. We just had, we just cut a ribbon for this small cafe um, in our sofa district, uh, Nirvana Soul Cafe. And this is the dream of, of the proprietors who are opening this. They've had it for many years and they, they decided, that, you know, what, a, what worst time to pull your permit and get ready to open, you know, seven months ago, but they decided to plow through it. And when they opened a couple of weeks ago, there were lines around the block. And two weeks later, there's still lines. The community was just so eager to come back and hear some positive news. And I am hopeful that because we are gonna have some vacancies that there is going to be a surge of entrepreneurship and creativity coming into these storefronts, whether they're kind of pop-up activations or uh, bringing kind of non-retail and uh, some of the nonprofits to these storefronts and just the acceleration of creativity that started through this is going to give us really new and unusual opportunities that are going to make our city stronger in the long term. All right. Well, even amid all this economic devastation, uh, good to hear that there are still signs of life sprouting up here and there. We're going to have to let that be the closing word for the program today, though. That was Scott Neese, the executive director of the San Jose Downtown Association. Scott Neese, thanks for being on KCBS In-Depth. My pleasure. And we were hearing just a bit earlier from Sean Randolph. He is the senior director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. Sean Randolph, thank you as well. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS.